This episode of Ain't That Swell is brought to you by Dr. V, an innovative, feel-good, functional energy drink that is a legitimate, healthy alternative to the toxic, adrenaline-milking, synthetic, soul-sucking garbage swamping the market. That's right, we're talking about a full-blown, guilt-free, pump-up beverage that's actually good for you. Dr. V is scientifically formulated by doctors and naturopaths, Sniv, your favourite, and it delivers 100% natural metabolic energy without the damaging side effects of traditional energy drinks, effects such as constipation, flatulence, impotency, and halitosis, and just an overall feeling of fucking dread, mate. Those toxic energy drinks, maybe you know what they're like. Get the dread out of your head with a functional and immunity-building blend to energise every moment and every cell in that thumping, thriving, throbbing organism of yours. It's fast becoming the go-to energy boost for athletes and adventurers, students, professionals, and food-forward well-beings seeking a truly healthy alternative. Dr. V is proudly made in Australia and is a proud support partner of Ain't That Swell. Keep an eye out for all their flavours, four of them, Bender Mender, Karma Karma, Brainstorm, and Siberian Rush. And get on the website, check it out, Dr. V, put in the, uh, the special code, Swellian, and uh, get a discount on your first box of the good gear coming directly to your door. Dr. V, Smith, crack one open, see you in the head rush zone, my friend. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say, and the ASP are going to find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the whoop, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good, Ivan. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sea. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece Award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. I'm joined here as always by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Tracks magazine, Away. Magazine, Vaughn, Rinsed Corn, Children of the Corn, Deadly. Hi. Vaughn, welcome to the program. Hello, Smithy. Hello, mate. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good to, uh, yeah, you know, got the cobwebs out of the corn, mm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good rinse off down there on the sunny coast. Ross Clark Jones and Tom Carroll. We'll get to it in a second, mm-hmm. but uh, the tour is back on the road. The children of the corn tour, and I it know. feels good to be back I in know. the sack. Vaughan. It does, mate, and uh, wonderful to return to the Central Coast. Uh, thankfully, no violence with this one. Uh, last ep, of course, we uh, ended the show. I don't know if we spoke about it actually, but uh, there, there was a full blown punch on. Yeah, I mean, a no- couple of 
Sunny Coast Cornwall oh, going right. at it. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit unusual, but this time everyone brought their friendly faces, Smithy. Everyone brought their hug vibes. Uh, mm. I think, you know, as we've uh, discussed in the last episode, which uh, thanks so much for all the, uh, you know, really just grateful feedback. There was a lot of people uh, from all over, uh, a couple of swellings from New York listened to that app and and wanted to donate straight away to uh, the cause on the on the mid north and far north coast of New South Wales and south southern Queensland. So people just uh, you know continue to get on board the community train, Smith. Mm. Um, that regardless of where they are, and that is what the fucking Swellian community is all about, my friend. And it was writ large hey. down there in Avoca as well as they uh, all came out to witness the great Ross Clark Jones and Thomas Victor Carroll. But should we just get into these? Board socks, finger buns, or what? Let's go for it, Smith. Let's give it a rip. Number five. That's right. Vaughn, as mentioned, we're back on the road again. Opened up with an absolute barnstormer down there on the sunny coast. Uh, Ross Clark Jones and Tom Carroll among our guests. Mike O'Hall, Molly Picklam, and uh, even a little cameo from the stuntman Bill Cilia with his uh, attempted double backflip off the stage in his chair. And I reckon he would have stuck it if it wasn't for the the hearing aid. He kind of lost his equilibrium a bit and... uh, just, just didn't quite pull it and ended up uh, kind of cracking himself oh, on, on the amplifier I'm there. I'm so glad we Lawsuit can laugh about averted, it. Lawsuit averted, though, Vaughn. Lawsuit averted. Oh, I'm so glad we can laugh about it. It was actually the, one of the heaviest things we've ever had happen to any show. We just, whole room just, you know, took a collective, like, terror breath. Oh, uh, come on. Smithy knocked himself out at the Avalon Bowl. No one fucking, no one true, took a collective true. breath for that. It was just pure <laughs> laughter and hilarity. <laughs> I actually hit my head. True, mate. No, yeah, uh, it was just a heavy moment. But Billy got up, started shadow boxing, and um, he went outside, and, and a lot of crew were, were looking after him. And but gee whiz, mate, what a night! And Ross Clark Jones, mate, what a freak! And uh, that episode will be dropping later this week. I, I don't really want to talk it up too much right now, Smithy, other than to say it is a bell ringer. Yeah, look, no violence, as you said, Vaughn. Uh, it was a, a pretty passive environment but uh plenty of stories of violence holy shit we went deep on 80s hawaiian folklore all the heavies plenty of johnny boy gomes oh. uh, horror stories wow oh wow worth yeah. tuning in for the, wow. the, the one where uh ross uh gets really severely injured at backdoor uh and johnny boy and there's a little bit of a a to and fro on the beach after that that's probably one of my favorite stories i've ever heard so that's Exclusive on Ain't That Swell, Children of the Corn, live, presented by Billabong, coming out this week's movie. Weekend at the latest, I reckon. That's right. Nah, we're off to Bells, April 10, with the great Mick, Michael, White Lightning, Liquid Lightning, Eugene, Victory Fanny. He's Big Fanny. He's that fucking good. Uh, Get your tickets, selling fast. Do not want to miss this. Fanning uh, has been non-stop frontlining it since the floods. He has been absolutely going ballistic, manoeuvring satellites, fucking <laughs> buying jip rock. There's nothing he hasn't done. And he's, he's actually, mate, I'm not joking. That's all totally real. And he's actually fucking still going. I spoke to him yesterday and he's like, mate, I'm actually more worried now than I was when the floods were at full peak because this is where people start waking up. And, you know, the support's gone home. That's and the, right. And he's going, I'm worried about people much more now because this is where you really start to know, you know, have I got this ongoing support or am I waking up today and having to rebuild my life 
by myself. So it's a good point. Fucking classic, dude, mate. He just fucking is such a legend. Can't believe he's on the show down there at Torquay. Get your tickets. Get them. Get them. Get them quick. And follow his lead. Get back down there to your local town hall and rip in. Talk to the the volunteer staff there because yeah, there's people living in tents in their homes, surrounded by fucking mold. Uh, it's a heavy scene up here. It's a got such a long tail on it. A disaster like this. And yeah, the immediate relief effort was super inspiring. But uh, as you said, Vaughn, now's when the when the reality of what's happened really hits home mm. and and just how far. The road is to get your life back together. It's fucking rattling. Rattling. Wow. Stay with them, Swellians. Stay tight. Stay communal. Tap a little bit of that smithy juice from last episode where you'd rather fucking cut your legs off than fucking live without your community. That's the spirit we're tapping, mate. Uh, what next? We got, uh, what's the itinerary? Going to Margaret River. Margaret River in Perth. Perth guest yet to be announced, but I have got a pretty big surprise for you, Smith. Stay tuned for that one. Man. Uh, get your tickets. Uh, goat, of course, at Margaret River. Really thinking if these COVID things don't lighten up and we can get a few more people in Smiv, we might even do a second Margaret River show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Miami Marquetta. That could be the Challenger Series All-Stars. Jack O'Baker, Connor O'Leary, Liam O'Brien, and a few crew who... Uh, on the cusp of that cutoff line, they could be there as well. So uh, we'll tap in with those guys. And then you know who's coming at Manly, mate. The one and only. You know who knows. Parkos knows. Parkos knows. Get your tickets for me. Plenty more guests to be announced to at all those shows. Uh, it's going to be an old-fashioned swelling fest. So sack up and buy a ticket, pack yourself one and rip it and come. <laughs> You've just steam coming out of your ears. It's an absolute Molly, pisser. pack it, pick it, puck it, pack it, pick them. <laughs> Number four. Uh, Vaughn, been waiting to get into this for a while. It's been plenty of time between our last regular eps. That's right, yeah. Regular eps have been uh, hard to come by, haven't they? It's, it's a board socks number four, by the way. Board socks, get them on your sled. But uh, yeah, the Gabriel Medina meltdown uh, on oh. all fronts is, it's rough. It's it, it's a massive story in surfing. It's a sad story in surfing. Uh, you know, he's handling it with incredible honesty and vulnerability, I think. Uh, but, let, you know, it basically starts with his marriage, uh, which is melted down to Yasmin Brunette, the 33-year-old former model. Uh, not only that, but uh, he's kind of divorced from his parents too. There's been some radical falling out there. So uh, with his mum, Simone, and, and his former coach, uh, stepdad, Charlie Rodriguez. Mm. And now he's had to take a break from world tour surfing indefinitely while he gets his mind... And affairs sorted. I think he's parted with a house to his ex-wife, a house to his mom. And, uh, I mean, this is what he had to save on mm. about his withdrawal from the World Tour in 2022. I have emotional issues that I need to deal with. Recognizing and admitting to myself that I'm not well has been a very difficult process. And choosing to take time to take care of myself was perhaps the hardest decision I've ever made in my entire life. I've wondered a lot lately if I should make this public or keep it private, but it's only fair that all of you who have always rooted for me know the moment I'm facing. Mental health is very important. I need to be 100% mentally to compete again. Um, Vaughn, I mean, where do we start with this? I mean, let's just quickly, Mm. let's quickly acknowledge uh, Kingy's role in all this. I mean, 
I don't know where this leaves him, but uh, I'm thinking maybe he's back doing cashies and queuing up at Palm Beach Centrelink. He's <laughs> so a bit of rough old ride for Kingy. No, but, uh, no, Kingy's fine, mate. He uh, he just recently took the head job at Surfing Australia as uh, the Australian uh, Performance Centre. Uh, you know, fucking Grand Swami, bringing the next generation of kids. Uh, some of that expertise, some of that passion, some of that fucking belief that he's uh, been able to, you know, I guess, what, manage Medina's last world title campaign with it. We saw the results instantly. Uh, it was just an epic team. And uh, it's good that, you know, we can get Kingy back. I think he actually went for that job uh, with Surfing Australia a while back and, and missed out on it. So uh, Surfing Australia just saying, hang on a minute. No, we've, we're sitting on a mountain of gold here. Knowledge, passion, fucking... You know, tough times. He, mm. He's got grit, and it's and that's so much grit. So sorely, talk about Vaughn. So sorely, what Australian surfing is desperately needing. I mean, it's one thing to have opportunity, and that's great. You know, like our, our junior surfers and our uh, you know, basically domestic contest scene is is really strong, but the grit has just not really been there. You know, so we we need that. But yeah, mate. So uh, I think the king is uh, a, a just a fucking grand appointment by the uh, Surfing Australia. I reckon that will yield results across the board from, uh, you know, our performances uh, in junior amateur surfing right through to the CT. So really excited about that. Uh, Kingy hopefully will be there as we lead into that next Olympics at Chopes too. And don't worry, mate, if you are thinking about who you want on your side when it comes to fucking swinging it on an under the ledge on a fucking 15-foot Chopes monster, you know who's going to be in the channel going, have a go, you go, <laughs> have a go, you dog. Get in there, you mutt. Hey, 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 hey. hey. The original voodoo shaman. <laughs> he knows his way around a thick ledging orb, but mm. uh, it's glad to glad to hear. I'm glad to so hear. So Kingy's fine. But, Kingy's um, fine, but Medina, yeah. not so fine. Look, I, I, to me, this is unbelievable courage to be able to share what's going on in the first place. I mean, you, you can you can fucking lord the guy all you want for his just competitive steel, his commitment to excellence, his uh, ability to just seem so unruffled within that competitive environment. But imagine like having all of that and then having to apply it to real life and, and and going, well, this isn't who I am when I haven't got a rashi on. And how do I sort of deal with these monumental issues, huge issues, like regardless of the fact he's, you know, one of the most successful and probably highest paid pro surfers ever. These are problems that have stemmed from a really young age. They haven't just appeared out of nowhere because of falling outs. It's like his entire belief structure has been torn apart by, you know, these battles with his his parents and people who he, he had trusted and put his faith in and his success in for his entire life and then thinking that he'd found uh, a, a new sort of channel to explore who he is personally and having that collapse. Like, that's a lot to take on for a young man. Mm. I mean, if you look at a really bare bones chronology of his life, you know, grew up in poverty, single mum, mm. parking cars as a six-year-old to help that's her right. put money on the table. Uh, you know, that poverty inspires him to achieve greatness at just an unbelievably young age. Uh, you know, he's spoken about how many of his friends are in prison and whatnot. Um, you know, he, he went down a sporting path, clean skin, absolute excellence, so much drive, so much grit, uh, becomes Brazil's first ever world champion mm. surfer. The hugest thing in Brazil since Aiton Santa. Mm. And then, uh, you know, 
I guess Brazil is a very machismo culture. Um, as a, a grommet with that amount of fame and fortune, you know, he, he kind of goes on this war path, this womanizing war path. Um, you know, he's just, you know, fucking just tearing the bag, blowing the back out of it, whatever you want to <laughs> say. I mean, the stories, there's a million stories. But that said, uh, you know, it's all fucking consensual and it's, he's just having a good time and he treated his... Uh, you know, contemporaries on tour, Australian or whatever nationality, um, you know, when he was at home in Brazil or whatever, whenever you had the mm. opportunity to, to treat him well, he did. So, you know, by all reports, a good kid uh, who was just ripping in and enjoying life. But none of this really prepares you for, for those moment to moment, the minute to minute, like banality of life. Mm. Well, life is not all... Winning contests, uh, sex, fucking rock and roll. Like, it, it, that's just not what it is. Mm. It, there's so many, so much downtime in life. And uh, I, I don't know, he's kind of hit that age, that Saturn Returns age, um, where the physiology changes. You, you know, your mitochondria is no longer charged for growth. There's the, the feelings of anxiety uh, don't just leave you. Uh, as they do. When, when you're young, you just don't even feel the pinch no. of life. You know, they, there's that saying, life begins at 30 for mm. a reason. Because yeah. it, your body changes. You feel so different from the age of 20 to the age of 30. It, it's night and day. And I feel like he's just really going through that period. He's in a, a country and a culture where, you know, he wouldn't be able to go and get a coffee without getting absolutely mobbed. Um, it'd be very difficult to trust people in that environment. Everyone wants something, including women. I guess my biggest takeaway from this is like he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and completely reevaluate his life and he'll have the he'll have the capacity to do that cuz he's achieved incredible excellence as a sportsman and I think that you can just change that lens and and put it on your own personal life and achieve greatness there uh, mm. but I don't know if he's ever going to get peace or calm in Brazil and my theory is he should just fucking move here Mm. He should move to Australia, surf with Mick, hang with King, um, you know, get harassed a whole lot less by the public. Like, you know, celebrities can chill here comparative to other cultures mm. and countries. Like, people don't really give a fuck. People in this country pride themselves on not harassing cunts. It's like part of the, the tall poppy or the, the kind of mythology of fairness and equality that we just don't want to be fucking sweating cunts. Mm. Um, so we don't. So, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope you can get that reset, you know, I went through a very similar phase. Most people do as they're crossing into that that real adulthood in 27, 28 and beyond. And uh, for me, it was it was all about figuring out why my body was screaming at me and was always in pain. Um, you know, pain is uh, one of the greatest gifts we've got because it, it's a signal that things aren't going well. Mm. And if you listen to your body, you eventually figure out what it is that you're doing wrong. So you just have to listen. And it's, it's humbling. It's a humbling thing to have to do. But really, the only way I could figure it out was through meditation. Um, and eventually, I started to piece the puzzle together. Good, it took a good couple of years. What am I, 34? I think this journey really started in when I was about 30, 29. Mm, yep. I mean, I remember being 28 and the feeling would never leave me. I was just in pain all the time. Mm. And I just couldn't understand why. Like, it was just every day. It was just in pain. Mm. And it was just a, a kind of anxiety. And it was all based off uh, stress, um, you know, being at war with the world. And that being at war with the world really was my rocket fuel, you know. It, it powered me to be a quality journalist and in, you know, 
previous years of quality sportsman, quality football player generally. Mm. Uh, it was all off the back of a kind of uh, low self-esteem and this kind of desire to achieve. But that, that's ultimately, if that's your motivation, it's kind of poisonous in the long run. And mm. it will, you know, it can spurn you on to achieve greatness, but it doesn't help you in those moment-to-moment times. And a lot of sportsmen have reached the top on the back of that same journey only to realize, fuck, they're in pain all the time. And then they end up self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. And then they just deepen the demise and they mm. end up dead. And mm. surfing is a fucking absolute graveyard, mm. pardon the pun, of people like that. It's remarkable. And I think surfing stands alone because it's a self-absorbed sport. It's just you. Uh, whereas even football and team sports, at least you've got your brothers, your, your teammates, and that's and you, you're doing shit for other people. You never do anything for anyone else in surfing. It's ultra toxic in mm. that respect so mate best of luck to him hopefully we see him well, out here on the points on the i was gold. just gonna say uh you know like being able to share this uh it, it'll create space and, and you know feeling like you're not having to hide that's just one less bit of pressure that's on your shoulders as you try and navigate this whole thing so as i said courageous really to get out there and just just tell the world what's actually going on and and that allows everyone to you know, it quietens all the, the gossip and the noise. I mean, to a certain extent, they're still sort of reporting on it daily uh, here and there all around the world. I think it's big news in the gossip pages in Brazil or whatever. Um, but, yes, did you reach out to Gabe and sort of say, look, mate, I've got a fucking spare room in the house at Wardell. If you're thinking about moving, oh, I was coming live with me and Doinker, mate. Oh, fuck. Fucking earth. Me, Doinker, and I have a couch with the <laughs> mushroom shaman Ollie. <laughs> I think it's uh, it'd be amazing Rats for him. in heaven, surely. Seriously. Oh, mate, I'll fucking I'll put him to work, don't I, on the on the little farm out the back. That's uh, it. Mate. The, you know, a bit of that kind of shelter. Uh, let's not go too nauseating hippie fucking dippy shit. No. But you know, a couple of hot ones in there for sure. Yeah. Bit of hard yacker, a couple of hot ones, bit of flood relief. <laughs> yeah, the best thing the for him, mate. Good, yeah. For sure. No one will know the fuck he's in Wardell. I guarantee you that. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, everyone's going to be watching, uh, Gabe you know, from a distance and, and really just wishing him all the best as he sort of navigates this. And I just hope he doesn't really feel the need to hurry back. You know, these sorts of things, they, they can – the more time you take, the, the better you're going to feel when you finally sort of step up to get back into it. And they've all done it. Uh, oh, Slater, yeah. Oki, you know, like they've all had these kind of – the greats have had these down periods in their career. They've had to reassess where they've had to come to terms with this pain and the fact that winning trophies and uh, accruing women and all this material shit that our culture, this mm. Western capitalist culture, tells you is the, the be-all and end-all that is nirvana on earth. It all just turns out to be just fucking trinkets well, and, and pussy and stress. and <laughs> It's what, just not that satisfying. One yeah. of the great quotes is uh, before Tom Curran came back from his, you know – Big break from surfing. I think uh, when he was world champ, what was it, 85, 86, uh, two-time world champ, California's greatest, you know, the top cat in every regard. And he just packed up shop and moved to France and just went surfing for a few years, really sort of uh, removed himself from the whole thing. Got on the Googs with Morris, you'd imagine. The Googs? Yeah, okay. Yeah, allegedly, but sure. Um, But yeah, mate, I think that... uh, you know, one of the great quotes before he went on his world title winning rampage in 1990. So this is, uh, what, four years after he, he'd sort of been world champ, surfed the entire year through the trials. But I think someone asked him, you know, what does it, what does it mean to win this world title as he started getting close? And he was like, well, it just means that I'm the best surfer in the world in 30-minute increments. It, it was just <laughs> like, you know, like the biggest fucking brush off of the achievement. It was just like, yeah, I, I'm good at at surfing good 
in these little tiny 30-minute increments. That's it. That's all it means. Speaking of which, imagine how good it would be to see Medina go on some kind of searching for searching for Gabby kind of phase of his career. He's got the Spanos, mate. He's on He's the got the Spano, hey? Let's see him put out some fucking edits. I don't think I've seen him in one surf film in his entire career. Yeah. I'd love to see what he can do just on uh, some different kinds of equipment in a different format. It's bizarre, isn't it? A lot of the best surfers in the world, you can even put... Uh, you know, Parko and Mick in this category to a degree, like, and, and Slater in particular. These are the best surfers in the world, yet you never see him surf outside of a contest strategy. Mm. I mean, Parko had a couple clips in our campaign, a couple mental sections during his career, and Mick had him dotted around, and I guess, you know, credit to him for taking the time out to, to put together some sections. But, yeah, the GOAT, Medina, Italo, these guys are... Fuck, it's pretty thin on the ground with, with, Mate, with edits and, and Want me to sections. blow your minds, maybe? Three degrees. The Joel Mick and Dingo movie is 20 years old. What? 20. Marinate on that for a little bit, hey? Board socks number three. Clay Marzo is looking for the wild card into G-Land and uh, <laughs> he's got the goats back in. <laughs> Marzo, mate. Oh, Smivy, this excites me because I've called uh, the Rip Curl Padang Cup. to a free surfing sort of tube fest, mongrel cone off. Just invites bitses and mongrels and fucking half-breeds from all over the world to come down to Padang and just stuff it in the cone zone. And uh, Marzo, mate, is on another planet. Like, watching that guy tube ride in real life is fucking insane. He's got the best frontside layback in the game. It's not one of those sort of token style moves that we see lots of, uh, you know, mid-lengthers do out the past where you get on the nose and you do that little layback. I'm talking about... Foam ball wrestling laybacks on fucking eight foot kegs. Hey. And just, like, honestly, everything he does is so late and so fucking critical without him even looking like his heartbeat has gone one, one pulse up. Yeah. Madness. Yeah, absolutely. Mad I've said it before and I'll say it again. He's pretty much the greatest talent of his generation and he's barely sponsored. It's bizarre. Uh, those backside thinner explosions he does. Like, I. <sighs> If he was in a CT, if he could get to that level, which, you know, he almost certainly can't. He has no will or desire uh, to grind it out in the QE mm. and get there. But if he could, fuck, you'd think he'd be a top five surfer. I, I, I can't um, – it's just exactly what you said, though, with that current quote. You know, in 30-minute increments, I don't know if he's that kind of guy at all. Like, he's, mm. a, he's purely running off feeling. Uh, as you said, though, fuck, man, if it's orbing – He's the pinnacle on the planet. That there was a there was a clip a few years back. It might have been a, a super brand clip. Uh, his board sponsor at uh, when he was living up there at Cal Barry. And I know the left. It's a left slab that's it's either towed or it's or it's generally a closeout. It, and he's just fucking standing tall in chamber after chamber, going warp speed, superhuman speed, superhuman reflexes. Uh, you know, a savant, I think the Rolling Stone article called him because he is on the spectrum, supposedly with uh, a little bit of autism or Asperger's, Asperger's or something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, I, if you if you buy into those kind of marginal conditions, fuck, I don't know. I, like, uh, but God definitely smokes a fucking ton of herb as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the core lord, cone ripping, cone packing madman and former Calberry Conehead wants in. Vaughn, this is what he had to say mm-hmm. specifically 
on his Instagram. I saw that the Wazzle, that's a, a quote-unquote, I guess he's adopted the jargon of the, the Swellians. I saw that the Wazzle is having a contest at G-Land in a few months. A big, long barreling left. I would love to get the wild card into that event. Ooh, so would we. Mm. Why not? Uh, who thinks the Wazzle should give me the wild card? I'm ready to battle the world's best in the barrel. Let's do this. <laughs> and uh, he had 700 people commenting in support of the motion. Among them, the 11-time world champ, Kelly Slater, who wrote, I'm all for it. Chopu also. Mm. Howell said. Interesting to see the GOATs. Endorsing. Endorsing because, uh, I mean, the GOATs ranking being so high, he'd be well in line to, to cop the Maui, oh, the madman. Oh, very ungoatish. Mm. Very ungoatish to uh, endorse someone with that sort of fucking potential to derail a world title campaign. Or maybe he knows that after the Australian leg, there's a chance he's going to be a bit more in that kind of middle of the road ranking. And uh, it'll be the top seeds, oh, in fact, who are going to cop Mars oh, on the head in an early round. Very goatish. Oh, why did I shout the goat? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I love this idea of, um, of uh, public... You know, throwing it open to the public to, to get your wild card sorted. This should be this should be how it goes, shouldn't it? Yeah, it's- but the I mean the backfire will be, of course, if Zuckerberg feels like he wants to surf in a CT one day, uh, perhaps at Surf Ranch or wherever those uh, you know sort of less threatening waves are. He could just uh, manipulate the numbers, change the algorithm, put Kyle Lenny in, best friend, just because uh, he can. No, that's right. It has kind of echoes of, uh, uh, you know, prize fighting, uh, you know, calling people out on social media, some of those kind of uh, Western Sydney uh, drill rap beefs, you know, calling mm. out the the uh, your opposition for being dogs, hey. <laughs> not wanting to front up to you and a slabbing left. Come on. Get back on protecting your mark. Yeah, like um, there's a bit of street theatre here from Marzo. I just mm. think, uh, you know, he's backing himself in that surf. And, uh, like, to have 700 comments, most of those or a lot of those would be people who have had the chance to see Marzo surf and these sorts of conditions just going, fuck, that would actually be incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm with you, mate. Why not? Here's Marzo li- for G-Land. Here's a little spiel uh, just a, on his non-sponsorship. Mm. In 2012, uh, this is from Stab Magazine. In 2012, Quicksilver chose not to renew his sponsorship after he proved incredibly difficult to market. Interviews, travel, crowds were all things to be avoided. With backing from a few smaller companies, Clay has continued as the sport's foremost recluse genius, dropping out of sight for months at a time, then showing up in a mind-boggling video clip, nearly always wearing only board shorts, even in the midst of freezing cold winter waters. In February this year, Clay was spotted in Peniche, driving through super tubes, funnels in just trunks. The water temperature was 15.3 degrees Celsius. Now, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Quicksilver choosing not to renew his sponsorship way back in 2012 because he was incredibly difficult to market. Like, incredibly difficult to market to who? Like, at signings to, like, weird, fat, fucking American and Australian bogans from Dallas or Coffs Harbour. Or, it sounds like a cop-out. Mate, just put him in cones. Like, I'll watch that shit. Exactly. With, with it's a not that hard. sticker on his beak to... Uh, Marzo plus cone equals 100% classy marketing. Well said. Hmm. I mean, reclusive, cone-packing, cone-smoking, surfing greats. The the, the, the honour roll's endless, Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, you would have just been another one on that honour roll. I mean, I could name you a thousand who all had handsome careers well into their twilight. Mm. So, uh, yeah, disappointing. But, I mean, 
I guess we've been given little bits and bobs of his surfing over the years, but not enough. I think he really should have been on the payroll and just keep dispatching him to left cones and uh and any kind of ramp in existence all over the planet. Fuck, he's right on the level there with uh you know your Miolas and Layers and uh, Dane Reynolds, you know, all of whom are pretty well paid and you know putting out plenty of film clips. It seems weird to me, Smithy. I, like I haven't really done much research into this, but. Why even have wild cards if you're going to have a mid-year cutoff? It, it it doesn't sort of like can they you, do you get sort of two or points? Can you requalify in that back half of the year if you're a wild card? You know how like in the first half of the year, say uh, who are the wild cards at Pipeline? Like um, Mame, Baron Mamiya, mm. right? So he Jones. he ends up being world number one. Looks at a good chance of making this mid-year cut. Where do the points go if you're a wild card in the second half of the year and you get on a good run? And how does that affect other people's World title camp. It's a, it's a bit convoluted, that little part of it, to me. Well, I mean, I've been inside the WSL HQ. And oh, I've, okay, yeah, give I, me. I've seen the uh, the supercomputer they've got in there that makes mm. sense of these algorithms. It's the size of a room. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it spits out all kind of uh, ticker tape with algebraic and nonsense and gibberish on there, and only Renato Hickel can make sense of it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, a couple of laymen like us for it. It's impossible. No, okay. Well, I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Hashtag Marzo Fajili. Noah Smith thanks Magic Mushrooms for sorting out his flogged lemon spread. Is there anything they can't do, Smithy? What does Alfie old man call them? God's gift? Yeah. To the planet to, yeah. Fuck, they're incredible. Uh, yeah, so the story goes, Smith, uh, you know, who's a fucking cone-packing heathen. Mm. The guy is super underrated in Waves of Consequence. Uh, you know, all the talk at Pipe is about your Nate Florence, your John Florence, uh, but... Fuck, man, Koa has definitely knifed some of the biggest, sketchiest drops in the last five years uh, out of anyone on the planet. He's mm. an absolute beast. Skeleton Bay, uh, Silverbacks there in Panama. The guy's a fucking lunatic. And uh, you know, one of the things about surfing waves of mortal conequence and getting the clip, Vaughn, is that what you don't see is all the non-makes. Like, you know, these guys... In any barreling session, you're looking at a, even the best are probably looking at a make rate of around fifty to seventy percent. Uh, so that me- that means you know, say if they they eat shit on even two or three waves mm. on a day when it's eight to ten to twelve to fifteen foot, the amount of force in one of those wipeouts is so severe that it can only result in injury. Like, it has to. Mm. The, the, the sheer laws of physics and uh, the game of percentages they're playing means that these guys have to be getting fucked up on the regular, and you just never really see it. You only see them making giant pits. So, unsurprising to see serious head injuries being suffered by guys at the pointy end of the free surfing game because you know, there's just no currency uh, in a career like that, unless mm. you're packing cones of mortal conequence. Agreed, agreed. Uh, and like, I mean, you can see that he's worried about and has been for some time about his melon because he's paddling out in those Magneto helmets, uh, just sucking the paper clips out of everyone's fucking scrap boards as he walks down the beach. <laughs> Looking for Wolverine, just ready to fucking take him down, man. But uh, yeah, in all seriousness, he's just, uh, he's absolutely fearless. He, he kind of like gets. 
it kind of gets forgotten just how much of a fucking charger he is because of just how cringeworthy and orky some of his fucking video content can be with his vlog and his, you know, his, like, uh, ultimate surfer appearance. The media persona is a little the, bit off-kilter. The, the media perso- persona, it's, it's, it's really just, like, such a small thing, but... It well, it's does. hard to curate one that's uh, palatable, isn't it? It's very hard. I mean, we managed to pull We've done a wonderful it. job, my friends. <laughs> wonderful. Hey, no. <laughs> no, but I just mean, you know, like uh, it, it's sort of forgotten in that sea of just, you know, fucking gaff. <laughs> He's a fucking absolutely incredible surfer. Fucking incredible. And he will pack it. Hey. Pack it hard. Hey. Well, this is the story. So uh, Cole Smith was in Nias. Indonesia, and it was the biggest swell to ever hit oh, the joint. Oh, that was double up central too. Uh, the you moose know, was out there that day. These guys just book flights to wherever <laughs> in the planet is fucking maxing thermonuclear orb fest mm. and pack it. So uh, this is what he had to say. Third wave, this bomb comes in. I paddle up the face, whip it, and go. And it's a complete fucking closeout. I get launched, and I get knocked out. Everything went blue, and I could hear the peaceful violin. Uh, so yeah, fucking, uh, that was one of them. And I think he's had two serious head knocks, which is... Parker Bells Canyon? Did he mention what, what piece it was? Uh, I don't know if it was, uh, yeah, not sure. Hmm. Not sure. He, d- he didn't have a, an exact specification in the violin. Was it, was it sort of something classic like, uh, you know, um, Parker Bell or was it, uh, more of a modern, uh, violin concerto like from Andre Ryu? Uh, I think it went something like this. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. So radical, but the mushrooms have uh, come in handy, and mm. it's interesting. He's not the first to go down this path. There's a guy, Dan. I, I've done a lot of research on this myself. Um, what I can say about mushrooms and mental health is that in a therapeutic setting, a macro dose of mushrooms can give you six to eight months depression-free symptoms. Mm. So that's what the science says. In terms of what its effect on brain injuries are, there isn't a whole lot of science in that realm. But if mushrooms can make depression disappear for six to eight months, depression and anxiety are- And just to be clear, this is is guided medically sort of- In a therapeutic setting. Yeah, Yeah. therapeutic. Yeah, okay, good. so, yeah, uh, if they can make those symptoms disappear, they are the symptoms associated with head injuries. Mm. So, you know, you, you can kind of live with a head injury if those if you're symptom-free. Like, fuck, you wouldn't even know, and, and life's fine, and, yeah, you can just continue living. And if you develop early-onset Alzheimer's or dementia later on in life, that sucks, but, fuck, you know, live for the moment and mm. you can be fine. But having those symptoms, and he talks about it, we'll actually take a little grab from the doco. Really, it was this crazy mushroom trip experience. I don't know if we want to put that in or not, but... If you're okay with it, by all means. Yeah, I mean, it was like a last-ditch effort to see if I could heal my brain. This voice was like, look at your whole life, your whole childhood, everything you've been through. Your body, your character, and your emotion. You are an amazing person. You're here to do good. You gotta love yourself and embrace it. And it started just getting super, super intense until it just like filled me up. Oh my God. My face ID on my phone didn't work anymore when I came back. 
I don't know if that was a glitch, but that actually happened. I was such a different person. Yeah, he talks about, you know, having suicidal thoughts and a big mushroom dose set him free from all that. He's not the only one to experience this. Dan Carbom Casillo, an infamous ice hockey enforcer uh, who I've paid a lot of attention to because he's been on this plant medicine uh, concussion repair trip. Uh, he's done a bunch of podcasts. He's in Owen Wright's documentary, Thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talks about... Uh, he talks about just he uses them with such intention. Uh, whenever the symptoms reappear, he'll he'll take a, a macro dose in as therapeutic a setting as he can create. Or he, I mean, being in America, you can actually access that. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Um, and it's yeah, and CBD oil and stuff like this. Rashad Evans, uh, a UFC Hall of Famer, another mad psychonaut. Rashad Evans is my spirit animal. Mm. I love listening to him talk. He was one of the most brutal combat specialists in UFC history and the guy is just sweet as pie the most peaceful passive guy getting around in his mad reggae garb and uh, you can hear him on the Joe Rogan podcast you can hear him on the Mike Tyson podcast um, big on mushrooms CBD uh, I think yeah maybe ayahuasca but yeah just a big plant medicine exponents mm. helped him a lot with his head injuries Mike Tyson another huge, huge psychonaut and plant medicine specialist. So there's a lot of anecdotal evidence in this realm for what it can do for head injuries. The goat, uh, you know, allegedly uh, doing ayahuasca ceremonies mm-hmm. in Costa Rica. Wouldn't Sacred talk about parchment. it. Yeah, wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't talk about it on the podcast. Um, Shroud th- of John John. There's other pro surfers in this realm too, Vaughn, on the WSL who have used plant medicines to alleviate the symptoms of both depression and head injuries, mm. but they can't talk about it publicly. And why is that? What What are our thoughts on on why that might be? Because th- that seems like a bit of a travesty. Uh, you know, this is so oh, much man. more important than ratings, points, yeah. look, and I, trophies. I, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. But my, if I had to guess uh, and speculate, it would be that the powers that be. Um, you know, regardless of whether it's the owners of the tour, the the, the upper management, whatever, you know, um, people see something that's classed as a class A drug. Like mushrooms in Australia, at least, are a class A drug. They're, they're stuck they're, in they're, the Nixon years. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're considered as fucking on the level as fucking heroin, coke, meth, whatever has been classed, right? Why don't we just invade Vietnam while we're at it? <laughs> it's just like... So, in, in my view, people who have grown up uh, either fearful of that or caught up in the stigma around it, uh, maybe had bad experiences with friends who have been on some drugs and so they class all drugs as, you know, equally as bad and damaging to, you know, not just the life they're affecting but the people around them. Uh, I think that it's just got to do with a bit of a hangover of that way of thinking and not really looking into the modern medicine, uh, the breakthroughs that have been made in these fields, particularly with plant medicine, man. Mate, let's not forget why these were put on the Class A drug banned list, you know, up there with ice and heroin. Uh, It's because the Nixon government wanted to control the American population. They were scared of these drugs affecting the war, the hunger for war, the war machine, the military-industrial complex. This shit is on the record now. Read How to Change Your Mind, The New Science of Psychedelics by Michael Pollan. It's a New York Times bestseller. I've read it. Um, the history, it's all there. It, 
So we're essentially, this is like now 50 fucking years old. Mm. This is ancient shit. And we're still living under it. It's purely a method of control. That's why this shit is banned. Because, you know, people just, as soon as they take it, they realize, oh, like alcohol, sugar, fucking, uh, you know, petrochemical. Like all this shit is toxic uh, and useless and fucking really peace and kindness and love and happiness and heaven on earth is achievable through very direct means of, you know, eating well, uh, material Capitalism, consumerism, it's worthless. It, it, it fucking just brings you no joy. And war is the greatest abomination ever invented. And it's completely fucking avoidable. And the only reason we really fight it is for the sake of accruing resource wealth to perpetuate a consumerist capitalist model. And that's why this shit's been banned. And surfing and surf culture has always come from the other angle. We've always known that, you know, really plant medicines and and the war machine like plant medicine's good war machine bad mm. big government fucking dogs <laughs> scammer nixon dogs mm-hmm. uh so to see the this kind of reluctance to acknowledge the power and healing properties of plant medicines uh in the upper echelons of surfing whether it be the the surf brands mm. uh or the surfing administration is a fucking disgrace <laughs> But some of the, the brands like Billabong are coming on board. You know, there's no there's no reluctance there to acknowledge it by supporting our podcast. And I'm sure there is a, a grassroots movement in a lot of surf companies who want to jump on board with this narrative. And I mean, I think one of the big problems the surf industry has run into is, is losing its core demographic. Well, you know, the way to get your core demographic back is to fucking listen to the grassroots of surfing and, uh, you know, sponsor your clay marzos and fucking you know, encourage healing plants and compassion and kindness and community. community. That's it. Um, Not I- corporate horseshit. <laughs> Mate, uh, a really good book that I loved um, that just sort of gave me a good understanding of the war on drugs, How what a dismal failure it is, um, how to manage it better is Chasing the Scream, Johan Hari, and, and a, a follow-up book that went even deeper into sort of the first one was kind of like his journey into drug addiction. What, what how, how's it formed? What's the cause of it? But the 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 war on drugs. The war on drugs. But but he, he went into that book. Harry Anslinger, you dog. Oh yeah, he's a dog. Hey. But he went into that book because he had suffered, uh, you know, an incredible personal loss due to drug addiction, and so he went in, and all of a sudden he was writing this book on on the history of policing drugs, right, and and the whole industry of it. But his follow up book which is called Lost Connections, is about why. Why are people using drugs in the first place and, and how are they using them? And it basically comes down to exactly what you were just saying, exactly all the things that we know and have seen, especially in the last month, that make you happy in your life. And it is a connection to community, a connection to health, a connection to nature, uh, not a fucking connection to success, money, fucking fame, all these useless fucking empty things, man. And I can't recommend these two books enough, hey. Like I fucking read both of them and just felt empowered by a really clear understanding of what you're being told, why you're being told it, and what the agenda behind those messages are compared to what's actually fucking going on out there. Mm. Man, like I just moved to Lennox Head and I fucking can't believe the community here. Like, Especially like, in. mental health. This has to be one of the like 
there was a lot of loss here over a, a really short period of time. A lot of uh, young guys took their own lives. And the, the community, the young men of this community have been fucking inspirational. James men. Woods, the type man. They get down there and they're just Derek fucking, Barnes. they're all about the truth. The truth of what makes you happy. And that's connection. Board Socks, number one. Facing monsters, Kirby Brown's self-sabotaging death wish slab act is the skittiest surf film you'll ever see, Vaughn. I haven't seen it. You've seen it. Uh, just to finish off that, that, that line of thought I was on, mm. it's like if you're doing shit for the wrong reasons, if it's not being done out of love and, and, and pure joy and, and uh, you know, something, if you're not doing something because it's going to make you a better person for other people... It's just almost like a law of the universe that it'll fucking end badly for you. For you. It'll end in drug addiction, uh, injury, broken families. Uh, like, So, yeah, you kind of need to have your intentions set correctly. And surfing for too long has encouraged this kind of beer-swilling, coke-sniffing, fucking machismo, ratings, points-chasing culture. Yet we never see the flip side of that. We are, it's it's lauded on billboards and at contests, but you never see behind the scenes. You never see the banal minute-to-minute moments. You never see what shape these guys' families are in. Mm. And as a result, you know these kind of horror stories just emerge out of the blue. Oh my god, Andy Irons is fucking dead at thirty-three, and and people are still celebrating and lionizing it and loving this guy. And I get it, like. You know, what a tragic loss. What a great surfer. But great surfing does not make great human. And, uh, you know, it's just so sad that he didn't get the help he needed. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't love him and and whatnot. I'm just saying that we shouldn't celebrate that archetype. Mm. It's not a fucking honorable way to live. It really isn't. Packing huge pits but being a fucking wrecked human is like, it's just, it's it's fucking, mate, every sacred book and text and, Teaching well, says don't do that. This is except for surfing. Yeah, yeah. But this this is uh facing monsters is one of the most harrowing, intense fucking hour, two hours you'll ever ever sit and watch. As far as surf movies go, mate, it is fucking in a league of its own. It is so unbelievable what Kirby Brown rides. Like from the very first wave of that movie to the very last wave of the film. There's not a single wave that you're not just fucking choking on your own heart watching. And weird experience, Smithy. Weird, weird experience. But I went and watched this on the big screen uh, up at um, fucking Pacific Fair, right? Like a big, you know, fucking mega mall thing. Uh, uh, in did you get a slurpee on and a su- shock top and a fucking couple you, of- You fucking know I did, mate. I and, fucking got the sugar and, in there big time. An eyedropper of sugar in the eyeball <laughs> just uh <laughs> But it was um, a couple of valiums under the tongue. So you know, it was it was fresh after the floods. I think it was the first sort of public outing after you know a week of just nonstop shoveling fucking sewage and people being rattled. People were rattled. You know, people's senses and uh, just overall fucking feelings were, were were just high. You know, there was a real high vibration. And I felt like everyone was going, oh, man, I just want to go into a cinema and watch a surf movie and just sit in the dark and just give my brain and body a, a bit of a rest. And I'm not joking, man. Fucking two hours later, the room was tense. It, and it was it, – it, it's a hard thing to explain. It taps perfectly into what you're saying about, like, the reasons why you do these things. Kirby 
has ridden waves that no human being has ridden. Like no human being can ride. And he rides them beautifully, man. He fucking has an understanding of what waves do when they hit rocks. That I just like Mason Ho probably gets it on a really, really small scale, like on, on a much like sort of less intense scale, but understands the what the water's doing and where to be on the wave face and you know, stay high if you see a little bubble down the bottom because you're probably gonna have to float that little section so you don't get pitched on it. But everything about uh, Kirby's waves is, oh mate, it's shocking. It's it's hundred percent shocking, and you just you don't get any reprieve the whole film. You you just go on, man. This is so beautiful. It's so artfully done. It's a full blown masterpiece. But there's something so unsettling about what is going on here. You know, like you just can't tap it. I I, I fully recommend watching it. By the way, it is it is incredible, but. Do you get to the end and you feel, you know, uh, do you feel like you're enlightened or psyched or happy or just even just frothing on what you've witnessed? I don't know if you do. I think you actually walk away going, holy shit. It reminds me so much of Free Solo. You remember that um, the rock rock climbing climbing film where, you know, the last 40 minutes of that film is probably the most intense 40 minutes ever put to celluloid? Well, this is exactly the same. And so you, you get to the top and you're like, great, but man, like, what does it mean? What, what does it mean? Well, you know, well, how do you, how, what, what, how do you contextualize everything I've just watched into what this guy's life experience is and where he's at right now? Because the film ends on a really, really uh, just perplexing conundrum, mm. you know, like, I don't want to spoil it here. But uh, it, it's just it's 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 a one of a kind film, Smithy, and, mm. and it all does come back to that question: like, why am I doing this? What am I going to get out of it? And what's the reward? Or what's the what's at the core of it? Is, and, is and it a love not- of it, or is it a fucking? I'm d- like, because to be honest, what you kind of walk away from it going is, this guy is in his in his own universe with this those reasons. Mm-mm. He's in his own universe. It's fucking amazing mate but wow 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 and not just what am i going to get out of it but you know what are my family and loved ones getting out of this because that's kind of your role on this planet in this life it's it's to care about others as much as yourself so uh if you're just thinking to yourself uh it almost always ends badly it almost always ends badly and you know as well with big ways if if you're chasing them just to for the the thrill the adrenaline the to re- it, Actually, no, I think that maybe that's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on a karma kind of mm. my understanding of like how the universe works. If you're, if you're chasing it to free yourself of pain, if you're chasing it just for the sake of so you can feel something, I reckon it's almost always going to end badly. Like if you're just doing it out of some on some kind of level of addiction um, because it, it's like it's better than doing coke or fucking heroin or meth or, or, or being an alco. Like, it's actually the same thing and it ends the same. Mm. Uh, but it's hard because as a member of the public, you want to see him do this shit. You, you, like, it's, you want to sit, uh, you know, on your couch or in a cinema and watch guys pack Mondo orbs. Mm. It's, it, there's nothing I enjoy more, but you also need to have uh, a level of, of care for their welfare. And the, the surf industry and the fucking marketing managers and the managers and whoever else need to take care of their athletes if they're going to do this shit. They need to be across, you know, the, the many healing 
fucking plant medicines and, and, mm. and methods, whether it be meditation, Wim Hof, uh, you know, just make sure these guys are making decisions in a right state of mind. Like, otherwise, you're a fucking dog. You, you're milking some cunt um, for pure money with no care for their welfare. And, you know, I got the sense, like, that's what happened to Andy in a lot of ways. That's probably a controversial thing to say, but I don't think he got the, the help and care and welfare that he needed. I don't know. In this case, with the facing monsters thing, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a mind-blowing experience, man. I, I really cannot talk up enough the actual filmmaking of this thing. Like, Rick Rafisi Rick Rafisi, West Oz nails it, mate. Nails it. Cinematography and at its... Cinematography he, at its best. Storytelling, like, really no holds barred, man. There is not a fucking thing in this movie that's been... You know, oh, we better not say that. It's all there. Mm. And uh, so in that respect, you're getting a very honest, real movie. And um, it's just, I mean, on one hand, it's fucking remarkable. On the other, it's absolutely terrifying. So check it out, please. Facing Monsters in cinemas now, I think. If you get a chance to see it, go and, go and check it out. Finger Buns is brought to you by Board Socks. Long time, ain't that swell partners. The toughest canvas surfboard socks on the market, made to stand the test of time. Water and wax resistant, unlike the polyester socks that rip easily and end up in landfill. We have uh, different artists contributing to the Board Socks range. Uh, Saltwater Dreamtime donating 10% of the proceeds to the Jurakai Surf, helping connect Indigenous kids with surfing. Uh, the Alien Head Board Socks artwork by Aussie Wright donates to One Wave, helping people free the mental health funk. And the Skeletor model by Jake Ross donates to Surfers for Climate, fighting the world's most important issues, <laughs> climate change. I mean, fuck, we've all been feeling that lately. Uh, it's both about protecting your board, protecting the broader surf community. All covers are cut, sewn and packaged with love on the surf coast of Victoria. Use the code SWELLIAN15 for 15% off all products. Board Socks on board in the best way possible, Smivy, and proud supporters of Finger Buns. Smivy, what comes to your mind when I say Bender Mender? I think of long, drawn-out piss-ups and goog-fests at Churchill's in Kensington, <laughs> at uh, Judgment Bar in Taylor Square, at... Uh, you know, just park life, all those kind of early noughties festivals when I was just still just scoffing white yes. doves like they were Ferrero Rochers, Vaughn. <laughs> and what do you think of when I say Siberian pine needles? What's the first sensation that runs oh, through your body? tingles, just tingles. Tingles like the finest in Japanese acupuncture, uh, the finest shakti mat, <laughs> just the most... Mm, special alternative therapies that the universe can conjure up and send spine needling down your spine. Oh. <laughs> and what have I told you? That Dr. V energy drinks are disrupting the global energy drink category with a healthy alternative made from unique herbs used by Russians to boost energy, stamina, and immunity. Used by Russians... I'd say they've got to ship a few cartons to the Ukraine. Stop! Mate, Dr. V, they've come on board with Ain't That Swell. Uh, we've mentioned them at the top of the show, but we're going to do it again here because they're the healthy alternative to on the energy drink market. They are all sorts of concoctions 
four different flavors, producing health, productivity, and wellness, mate. The range includes Brainstorm for faster, clearer thinking when you need to be on point, Siberian Rush, the pre-body workout lube to get the pistons firing, Bender Mender for faster recovery from what you said, huge gook doofs, <laughs> and uh, of course, Karma Karma for a gentle energy lift when you're feeling a bit fragile. No artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives, or synthetic herbs. This is the real deal, mate. Yes, that's right, Vaughn. It's a healthy alternative in an otherwise toxic, poisonous energy drink market. And I, for one, welcome it, Vaughn. I welcome it into my body like a cool gust of Siberian air, like a like a red-hot Russian scud right up your cornhole. Fully in, not fully out, but fully in <laughs> to help revitalize, energize, boost immunity and heal all my chakras and kundalini gooch spots. Oh, it's magic, mate. Get on the website, drv.com.au, D-O-C-T-O-R-V.com.au and get 15% off with the Swellian code, Swellian. 15% off from drv.com.au. Do it now. From Kirby Brown to another absolute maniac in the West, Ben Rufus. Uh, he told this story via Honest Ale, the zero alcohol beer company, on his Instagram about breaking his leg at the right. And again, just one of those rattling stories. Near death, uh, it's fucking loose. We'll have, a, we'll have a listen. First wave, wave of my life. Second wave, nearly ended it. <laughs> Whoa! This fucking lump come through was pretty nuts. So yeah, went it and yeah, could see all the every like crevice in the rock and everything. It was just fucking yeah, loosest vision and grabbed a rail and flicked me. (laughs) Went flying over the front, front like that, landed on my back. I remember just seeing the hugest, bluest fucking cave and just laying on my legs just went snap over like over my head and the last thing I was down like in the in the barrel like laying on my stomach and still like just look out just seeing the sickest vision of the boys along the ski just looking in just like uh-oh <laughs> and then all of a sudden I just like got kicked in the face and it was the weirdest feeling because I knew it was like a um knew it was a foot but I didn't think it was mine. I was like, thought someone just fly kicked me in the face. And I was like, put, put my hands up, I'm like, fuck. And then I just realised, and the foot came up again, hit me, hit me there, hit me there, and just realised it was my own, own foot. Shano came in on the ski, he went, he's like, fuck, you were right. And he's right there. I was like, I can't get on the, we didn't have a sled or anything back then, so, you know, you got to get, get on your board and get on the rope. And I was like, oh, I can't broke my leg I can't and the next one was like as big and it was right there and he said oh, sorry mate I gotta go and he drove off and just got mowed down by the next one and back then we we're wearing leg ropes so it was attached to my broken leg so when I got the next one as well as the first one I could just feel like the bone in here just going <laughs> and he goes fuck get rid of your board I let round to like take the leg rope off and you know, normally just grab the Velcro and just go off. My whole leg just folded up next to me. From here, I could just see it just bend. And I was like, oh, and I just looked up at Shannon. He's just like, nearly started throwing up looking at it. Also, I had, 
I was like bleeding on my throat around here from my toenails, like slicing my neck. <laughs> now every time a swell comes, I make sure I trim my toenails. Yeah, I can't say I've ever been kicked in the face by my own foot, but I have. One time I was surfing um, restaurants at Tabarua. Had probably one of the best waves of my life. Just had an absolute screamer. And I came out and I tried to do a chop off just off the end section. And my fins grabbed because I was on a quad and I didn't get the full 180 done in the air. So I just grabbed like I, you know, like I'd hit a fucking cattle grate or something. And I just kneed myself in the <laughs> face so hard that I actually bit the sides off my tongue. Wow. Both sides of my tongue. Felt like I dislocated my jaw. Had blood just pouring out my mouth and Kote was battling out and he's like, holy shit, dude. What happened there? And I was like, yeah, it's not fun. A head injury that you uh, inflict upon yourself no. with your own body. You ever done that? No, a couple of knees in my own face. Yeah. Also a couple of kicks in the head where I've been wondering, hey, who did that? <laughs> but uh turned out not to be my own leg after snapping my femur and kicking myself in the face. Fucking loose. Uh, but, you know, told it with a smile on his dial. Uh, I, you can only wonder what the motivations and intentions of Benny Rufus and the rest of the crew at the right are. Great theatre. But, uh, yeah, you know, you want everyone to stay safe out there. I mean, fuck, there's some horror wipeout stories there. Mm. The, well, ugh, man, what, what's your what's your best one? I mean, the Ant Ant Man one with the uh, burst bleeding from the ears after you get sent down deep uh, into yeah, the abyss. I'll, I mean, apparently you end up in a, a grappling match with a, a, a giant squid down there or something. Uh, yeah, well, I, I remember seeing Ant Man in Hawaii one time, and he had this like kind of scab on his forehead that was kind of grilled, you know. And I was like, "What's up, mate?" And he uh, he'd. Uh, Falling down a flight of stairs the night before and just smashed his forehead into the grill that, that you wipe your shoes on at the bottom of. That mm. was a pretty harrowing one. Mm. Uh, Bad trip. Yeah. Been a couple of absolute floggings. I mean, end. Marky Matthews has got to be, he's had a couple of real shockers, like kind of ones that I think at first didn't even seem that bad and then went real bad on him, you know, once mm. the uh, extent of the injuries had come through and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, be safe. Be aware. Be in the moment. It's the only way. <laughs> A quick doff of the cup to Wade Clements, the Senny Coast core lord, for donning the mankini. Wow, wow, he's a very nice. At that uh, WQS at Evoked the other day, I mean, Vaughn, the N section reversed to Brown Eye. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, and yet, mate. he didn't get the score. What? Didn't make the heat. I mean, he should have He should have had his score bumped up just for the sheer hygienic state of his cornhole, Vaughn. Oh, mate. It Barely was... a smudge in there. Oh, Perfect corn floss it was. Perfect corn floss, Mivy. Got every little bit of grit completely rinsed out. I mean, you want grit, but you bravo, don't want sir. Bravo to you, Wade. And he's uh, on his way also to uh, his first ever amateur boxing bout. So uh, congratulations. And while we're there, uh, quick doff of the cap, quick shout out to Scumbelly's finest himself, Bailey Richards, also had his... Amateur boxing debut out there at Blacktown. Uh, he's an absolute pitcher of resilience, this kid. Great surfer. Mad swelling. Uh, you know, lost a couple of mates to suicide earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, Bailey himself suffers from some kind of autoimmune disease. And, you know, when you just expect, you know, a guy to cave in or, or you know, just kind of raise the white flag, he went completely the other way and just fucking ripped in like all hell, Wim Hof and, you know, putting rockets up the others in his community. 
getting into uh, the boxing and surfing and just becoming this kind of, you know, he's a softly spoken uh, man of few words. Mm. But then all of a sudden, he just like a phoenix from the ashes, he just comes to lead the suburb out of darkness into light. You're a fucking legend, Bailey. Good on you, mate. Good on you, Wade. Well done, mate. Well done. There came a little bee. He landed on my knee. He told me he's the last bee there ever was to be. And just finally, uh, less of a phone zone here, Smithy, but um, just, you know, we've, while we're on the topic of uh, West Oz maniacs with Kirby and... And uh, Benny Rufus, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to our old mate, Swillian's very own, Kale Walsh. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you've caught the clip, Idiot Box, uh, also one of my favourite Australian films from, uh, what, late 90s, uh, Ben Mendo and I think Jeremy Sims in that one. Go and check it out. But uh, yeah, this is a clip and a half, mate. Holy moly. Oh, this guy has the inverted flip. On absolute lock, the buttery landings he just zuzzes out of these things is fucking a sight to behold. And, uh, and of course, just packs the rompers, absolutely gets in it. And it almost feels like it's just a coming-of-age thing if you're from WA, isn't it? To just head up north, get Toomey's on some macking double-up fucking donker swell and just shove yourself in the guts of it as hard as and as deep as you can. It's the same waves, but each generation seems to up the ante a little more. You know, montage, the end section, Taj at maxing North Point, maxing rabbits. Mm. Uh, you know, Dino Adrian airdropping at uh, giant fucking Toomey's. Jay Davies, absolute maniac uh, spirit. And uh, what was the one before that? I can't remember. It escapes my mind, but just some of the Native? most. Native? Native, just mm. the craziest slab wrangling you've ever seen all under paddle power crazy punts big mm. man hucking it chippo robo chuny chuny and now it's kale's turn to stick the flag in the heel and just say and just piss on everyone below him <laughs> it's a, definitely a hot runner for the edit of the year i think stabs pretty much taken over from surfer magazine there as uh you know i guess the place that you go to to see who's dropping the best shit when where Etc. They've got their kind of uh, they've got their tentacles into the far reaches of surfing, mate. But I want to give another shout out to to the Irish Swellians, oh, mate. They're, they're, what's what's the wave called up there again? Anyway, they have uh, dropped a couple of mean sessions. Gerard McDead, the Swellians' very own, packing it with a few of the mad men up there. Tell you what, Smithy, we're going to Ireland, mate. We're there one day. Billabong, they're going to take us up there. We're going to fucking send it. The goat scorches hashtag scummo. Our fucking absolutely spineless leader. Yes, that's right. You heard it. That's why it's the goat fawn. Kelly Slater labelled the federal government's handling of the floods in northern New South Wales and southeast Queensland, quote unquote, nothing short of appalling, you dogs. Hey. That was an add on. Mm. But, uh, yeah, he condemned the fact local communities were left to do far too much of the cleanup job on their own. This is what he had to say. The lack of federal assistance in the flood zones in northern, northern New South Wales has been nothing short of appalling. The stories from friends are hard to comprehend, but the gathering of local communities has been inspiring to watch from afar. So while the MP 
hashtag scammo. My, that's the uh, author's note, sorry. And uh, cohorts. So, sorry. So while the MP, Scott Morrison MP, and cohorts pat themselves on the back or poke fun at people who, quote, live in the gum trees, the communities will continue to get on with the task at hand in helping their neighbours. Fucking oath, goat. That's why he's the goat. That's why he's the Swellian king. Well Couldn't said. agree more, mate. Couldn't agree more. And as we move uh, towards this election, this upcoming election, we can't live with this fucking slug running the country. He's, 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 how quick he is to move on some things and just how it completely mindlessly brain dead is on others. And, and Sean O posted this caption. I've got to read it out. Sean O being Sean Doherty. Uh, Sean O888 uh, if you want to follow him on Instagram. Uh, he, he, this is Sean O's quote, Smitty. Can't imagine this going down too well. Morrison today accused flood victims who dumped what's left of their lives on the driveway at Kirribilli of politicising the disaster, <laughs> which alone should guarantee another 10,000 protesters on his driveway tomorrow morning. But it gets worse. With the flood, while the flood victims beg for more assistance, Morrison has announced he's donating 70,000 tonnes of thermal coal to the Ukraine. He bragged about how he'd called Keith Pitt, who'd made it happen the following morning. So he can make this happen overnight, but it takes nine days to declare a flood emergency. Coal and war. All he needs now is Brian Houston to bless the coal and the rapture would surely follow. (laughs) The coal, however, isn't free. Uh, It's been purchased from who else? The liberal donating, tax evading, multinational Whitehaven, which is run by the former National Party leader, Mark Vale. Uh, At market price, that coal has cost taxpayers $28 Oh, that's that's, uh, music to my ears, Vaughan. How good's that? (sighs) At a time when Morrison not only refuses to further help flood victims, he is now openly mocking them. What could that $28 million do for Lismore right now? We'll never know because Whitehaven has pocketed it. Yeah, Lismore, Wardell, Broadwater, Woodburn, Mullum, Mwillumbar. I mean, the whole, region, the whole entire region's been decimated. But look, my takeaway on all of this regarding the floods is, you know, people talk about wanting change, revolution even. In my mind, that just means communities taking responsibility for themselves yeah. and that's happening now and it would be nice for the government to stump up some money so you know tradesmen and, and workers didn't have to choose between rebuilding their communities and uh, you know falling behind on rent and mortgage repayments mm. uh, you know create some kind of universal basic income some stipend i mean they're sitting on eight billion dollars worth of disaster fund money that belongs to us so you know the fact that they're unwilling they're to spending it on coal to spend to the ukraine mate that's right. So how long until we have some mass strike, some mass boycott, some just crippling union action that just fucking absolutely pants this government? And uh, you mentioned there not being an alternative between the two parties, mate. The leader of the fucking Labor Party is a housing commission guy from fucking Camperdown, yeah. the son of a single mother. I am the son of a single mother from Camperdown. I will live there for a few months. Mm. I've got asthma. If Albo gets in, mate, and we, we can't have ScoMo anymore. We can't have him. No. Scummo. Scummo. We we need to an alternative and we need to hold that person accountable and it has to be changes straight off the bat. Yeah. Leadership. We're a straight up banana republic. Like when a cabal of petrochemical and, uh, you know, 
multinational corporate interests are knifing five or whatever, however many politicians and prime ministers it's been now. When that's happening, you're living in a banana republic. And we've seen what happens with this in Latin America where you end up having entire uprisings against this kind of state of affairs. And you end up with people like Hugo Chavez, uh, fucking Pinochet. Like you have these these fearless fucking leaders who end up running the country and yeah, they get smeared by the capitalist press uh, as being dictators and whatnot, but they're not. They're, they're democratically elected and they just go against the cabal of business in- interests and, and mainstream media. And until we do that, nothing's going to change in this country. We're still just going to be this fucking banana republic. There's such a long history of them. Watch The War on Democracy by John Pilger. You know, fucking Central America, Southeast Asia. Uh, we're just another one of them. So yeah, we, we just have to get rid of this fucking mob in there now. They have to be gone. You, you, we cannot live another fucking 24 hours after this election with the same mob in power. That's right. Shout out to the GOAT for backing us. Fucking legend. Uh, he's got a lot of friends up here. I know he would have been watching on Instagram as some of his good mates like Luke Munro are out there whisking people to safety uh, and getting incredibly sick from getting too much river water in their mouth and orifices. So. And pink eye. Don't forget the pink eye epidemic up here, mate. Cannot. Huge over for the GOATs. Massive over for the GOATs. The most... Monstrous under of all time for hashtag scummer. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to sitting down with the goat and chatting uh, when we get to Margaret River, mate. It's like well, it's going to be a whole new convo because yeah, first sit down with him was really reflecting on his career and early life, but geez, his life has taken some interesting turns in these last what four years since we last spoke to him. So it's going to be a a radical convo, I'd imagine. Clearing that karma debt, Vaughn. Got to clear the karma debt. <laughs> Joel Tudor has been suspended from the longboarding world tour. What what, what, what longboarding world tour, mate? Is well, there a tour? Well, I mean, there was at least two contests, wasn't there? Okay. Uh, the world ju- a pretty skinny tour. Mm. I mean, that's that was his beef, I think it was right? three. I think it was Is three. that his beef? But it was just not enough contests, not enough equal opportunity. It, it, it all stemmed because he was saying that the women of the women's longboard tour didn't experience the same pay rise and respect as it's not equal as the same as uh, the women's shortboarding world tour, right? That's what that's how this whole thing started. Yeah, well, this is exactly what what he had to say. Uh, well, this is why he was banned first, uh, according to Beach Grit. He was suspended, quote unquote, following conduct detrimental to the integrity of the WSL per the WSL rulebook, which includes the violation of the following provisions. Sportsmanlike conduct, section 14.02. Damage to surfing's image, section 14.04. And verbal assault, section 14.0. This is what he had to say on Instagram. Mm. They want to run this fake... This is Tudor. They want to run this fake shit about equality and inclusiveness. Don't be a bunch of fucking phonies. Hey. Yo, WSL, Jesse Miley Dyer, Eric Logan, can you all explain this kind of equality? Not very woke of you to treat the log gals with so much disrespect in regards to pay. It's kind it's kind of clear on your own Instagram which style is more favoured by your audience, urging all log gals, parents and friends to write to the WSL asking why this is still happening. Also, they're planning on cancelling the longboard tour to a one-event stop. Hit them up, post about it, and make some noise to make things right. Hmm. Verbal assault, damage to surfing's image, 
sportsmanlike conduct, Vaughn? <sighs> Look, I mean, is Joel Tudor the kind of guy who is used to sort of getting dressed up, heading into the boardroom and uh, quietly discussing issues that he has with the tour? I mean, is is would that have been a better way to go? Would a better way to go have been reading a text like that that is obviously designed to provoke and initiate some sort of action, reaction? Could the WSL have simply just invited Joel into the office and just said, hey, man, like, uh, you've got a problem. Like, let's talk about it. Let's, like, really break it down and see how we can move forward from this, uh, you know, from this moment where, you know, where where we've got a world title winner, a world champion, ratings leader, whatever it is, and, um, you know, basically create some sort of pathway where we can get to a point where we want to do this or, or perhaps explain where we're at or where we see the vision going. Just to start publicly sitting on opposite sides of a fence and start throwing rocks at each other is never going to end well for someone. In this case, it hasn't ended well for Tudor, although uh, it, it's not a great look for the WCL either, mate. You know, like, is it impossible once something has gone public to just pull it in-house and have a discussion? Mm. Seems like it's all best been done through the media or through the, the public social platforms. Am I wrong? No, I think you're spot on. And I think uh, you're dead right, Vaughn, that you know, organising a nice, peaceful meeting with the WSL, uh, perhaps over some chai lattes, get the incense burning, maybe even pass the peace pipe. Uh, mm. I mean, we, we don't really know what goes on behind closed doors in the Wazzle, or do nah. we? But, uh, I mean, what you're not factoring into that scenario, Vaughn, is the vats of dopamine that are released when you post a viral Instagram <laughs> tirade. And oh. uh, I mean, where's he going to get that dopamine, Vaughn? Dopamine doesn't just grow on trees, my friend. Mm. So uh, I'm sure after, you know, just the indignation and the fuel for indignation that all those little red love hearts create, isn't that ironic, Vaughn? Mm. How sinister those little red heart, red hearts it's are. Just, it's the bummer about posting anything on social media with uh, an angle of negativity is that you have no shortage of fucking people ready to climb on that bandwagon, man. Like uh, that dopamine, it actually comes from the negativity, not from pumping people up, but from mm. tearing shit down. So it was never going to go any other way. Like no one was going to get on there and go, "Hey, man, that's really cool. You make some good points. Let's like, uh, you know, get the uh, the logging and the shortboarding all on the same page of the WSL." Uh, has taken over that organisation, wants to be the the custodians of deciding who the log world champ is. Well, they, they do have a responsibility to promote and fucking, you know, showcase that sport in its best possible light. And Joel makes some good points in his, in his rant. But the problem is, you come at anything with negativity on social media, mate. Get ready, Smithy. The tsunami of fucking hate hey. is going to come thick and fast, my friend. It'll wash away any chance of a uh, of a of a, con- what, a considered conversation over prayer bowls and peace pipes. Well said. Uh, it goes further, though, Vaughn. Let's just go into this just briefly. Mm. Uh, this is what Jesse Miley Dyer, the World Surf League commissioner, had to say uh, in a letter that she issued. Hello, everyone. Full stop. I wanted to address a post that our 2021 men's longboard champion made on his Instagram account yesterday that was both inaccurate and misleading related to the WSL's approach to equality. Joel created confusion and called into question whether female athletes competing on the longboard tour receive equal prize money. It is important that you know 
and that you hear directly from me that we take great pride in the fact that our male and female longboard athletes all receive equal prize money. Tudor then replied furiously into his Instagram, Well, my morning went like this yesterday. <laughs> Woke to a text sent via Jesse Miley Dyer asking me to take my post out, saying that I was being unproductive. I respectfully declined. Well, it's quite hilarious that now all of the sudden, I believe he means us, all of a sudden, all of, all of a sudden, my mistake. Mm. Well, it's quite hilarious that now all of a sudden, that doesn't make sense. Well, it's quite hilarious that now all of a sudden, y'all are open for discussions after the 22. I'm not quite sure what that means. It's starting to lose mm. coherent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's quite hilarious that now all of a sudden y'all are open for discussions after the 22 when prior to the post you could have all cared less if we disappeared. Also, way to not address the difference on pay between women's CT and women's longboard. When gals longboard is fastest largest area of growth for female surfing and used by the entire surf industry. It's 70% of all female surf brand imagery. Yet paid peanuts by the governing body of surf at WSL for no other reason than they just don't feel like paying them equally. On paper and in actual numbers, value the log gals are incomparable. Yo, WSL, you can do better than this. 17 exclamation points. Also, is there 17? if y'all are short on event costs, you can very easily piggyback us on some of your pre-existing comps with 14-day holding periods. Oh, or I'm going to head spin. Oh, let it go, Smitty. Let Not it go. on down the days. Once upon a time, you used to include us at Bell's Market. We were now many girls in Brazil. All used to include us at ASP Tops. But after 1991, you never invite us back ever again. The only time we ever shared a stage since has been the Vans. DTI? What is that? STI? Dev Duct Tape Invitational. The US Open. WSL care to expand on 32 years of blatant segregation. What is apartheid? Put us together on occasion to see how much your audience enjoys the style change. Keep those hands up, y'all. We ain't done fighting yet. Fighting words. Joel Trudor. Oh, it's just, uh, wow. it's incredible. The passion, the passion, the passion of, uh, of Tudor. I mean, the, the, the logging community is, it's really been discriminated against here. There's, a, there's a real, there's real segregation in his mind. I love that, you know, uh, as the WSL has just tried after years and years of being criticized for, uh, you know, basically having to run events over four days because it just, just doesn't fit inside a swell window. Tudor's solution is to add two more days of competition to run a logging event uh, into their sort of mission to try and skinny down the uh, length of time of an event. So uh, pretty pretty uh, against the tide swimming there, my friend. But you know, I, don't know, I don't know if this can ever be, this rift can ever be healed. Are we going to see a Rebel Tour? Are we going to see a Rebel Tour? A la Derek Hine and the Is Tour of the early 2000s. Could happen, Smitty. Vaughn, I think there really is only one way to settle this rift. 
jelly wrestling. Uh, yeah, Joel Tudor versus Jesse Miley Dyer in a no-holes-barred contest. I'm back in Scum Valley's finest, Jesse, to get the win too. Watch out for the Hopper Tudor. It is coming, pal. Go on. Give it to him, Jesse. <laughs> Woke him up a bit with a couple of stray south side fingers and south side eye gouges. Hmm. Mm. That'll sort this out for him. Just yeah, backyard you know, rules, mate. Backyard rules. No, no referees. Just one hundred percent gotta fight. Pretty pissed week, if you ask me. Oh, and uh, the whole S part is it's an under. The whole thing's an under. I think. You know, Tudor fired shots by putting it on social media. I, I don't know how, you know, involved he is in discussions of, like, you know, bettering the, the longboard tour or whether he's just sitting back and sort of throwing pot shots from, you know, that ivory tower up there on World Champion Mountain. But uh, it, it, it just devol- it dissolved. It, it delaminated. It, it was just a – it seems like a public shit fight that really maybe could have been avoided if everyone didn't get so defensive. So, yeah, I don't know, under. Delaminated like a Gato Haroi mid length of left in the sun for too long, Vaughn. It's a real shame. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tepid, tricky one. Uh, look, to be honest, I don't go in for all the uh, the woke shenanigans and whatnot. Uh, it's just a real shame. I was enjoying the Longboard World Tour. I found that Taiwan competition incredible. Really good waves, great surfing. Uh, I think it was Devin Howard who was running it, who's a, a full blown core lord. Uh, logging aficionado and yeah it just looked like it was on the up and up and i think you made some good points there tutor about logging being this incredible growth area and growth sport and that it is generating a lot of interest and revenue and it's just a sad sad state of affairs when some kind of peace couldn't have been reached and i get the feeling yeah it's it's a vast irony vaughn what a good macro dose of mushrooms would have done to just repair these wounds mm. and uh, breach the divide. Born plant medicines, if only the Wazzle had have, you know, accepted their their healing properties and championed their healing properties. I feel like we could all just be in a much better place, not only as a surfing community but as a global community. Born so a massive under to the whole dopamine fueled sugar coffee booze caked shit fight that this surfing world corporate capitalist consumerist realm has deteriorated into one <laughs> who else said smitty who else said Under. is surfing the most kook friendly sport is that the question yeah i mean oh. uh, i can answer if you like but i'll throw no, it to you first oh, yeah, i'll say uh yes it is kook friendly there's um surf schools popping up at every single major beach in the world uh everyone's encouraged to have a crack doesn't matter which walk of life you come from i mean it's inclusive um, is a beginner a kook? I don't know if I agree with that. I think a kook is just generally someone who is all about themselves in the water and about no one else. It fucking, you know, it doesn't well matter how good you surf. You, you can still be a mindless kook, a fucking horrendous, tortured, torturous, <laughs> just poisonous kook. Uh, and in fact, some of the best surfers I've seen at, at, at these, you know, uh, the, like heavy, uh, high-end, uh, mad fucking high-performance breaks are kooks. Mm. Uh, yeah, kook is a frame of mind for me. So maybe it's, it's an attitude. And um, I think the beginners actually cop a fair bit of unfair kook labelling. I'm off that. It's an under for me if you're going to label beginners kooks because we were all beginners, mate. We were all beginners. <laughs> and all of us travel to another beach and we're a blow-in somewhere. Mm. Yes. We're not kooks because we're both those things, all right? Is it kook-friendly? 
I think it's uh I think it can be beginner friendly. I think it can be inclusive. I think it's it's if, if you're a real kook, if you if you're a kook in the way I've just described, then it shouldn't be kook friendly. It should be anti kook. But yeah, uh, I think it is a bit kook friendly. I think there's a lot of leeway for for kooky behaviour and and you know the diminishing sort of like sensible policing of that kookiness like you know like people being able to come up and pull a kook's head in is sort of not being done enough maybe maybe i don't mm. know yeah i think it's kook friendly mm. yeah mm. maybe mm. you're right mm. yeah no it's a great point you make i have the utmost respect i don't respect anyone more than beginners and learners who know their place mm. Who are you know stick to the the shore break uh, and not the world class point break or world class reef whatever? I think those people. I was just sitting at the beach then watching a couple of guys. The point was pumping. They went and surfed the beach break. They were beginners. They were learners. They were having a hell time. There was mm. no one around, and I just thought, you guys are fucking legends. I love people like that. Love surfers like that. The problem is when people don't respect the rites of passage mm. and don't respect the sport to the point where, uh, you know, just acknowledging the limits of their ability. And this was the subject of an op-ed, a gold cone piece award winning <laughs> op-ed by yours truly, Smithy, in the home of surfing literati that is Stab Magazine. Would you like to hear some of it, Vaughan? Give me. It's hard to think of a sport that is less of a barrier for entry than surfing. There are many sports that encourage participation regardless of age or ability, but built into those sports is either a system of belts, gradings, coaches, or consequences for the participant if they play outside their skill level. This is the way of boxing, martial arts, skiing, snowboarding, skating, rock climbing, football's various codes, and almost any other sport you care to name. Surfing is the inverse in that not only are there no official barriers for entry, but the consequences of a beginner's negligence, ignorance, or overestimation of their ability are more likely to be felt by others rather than the offender. I'm reminded of the great pipeline, pipeline icon, Tamayo Perry, who was scalped after a kook bailed his board directly in front of him. I'm reminded of Crosby Colapinto getting stuffed by a shoulder-hopping kook at backdoor in the most critical of circumstances. I'm reminded of the whistle that used to hang from the balcony at the Vulcan Pipe House, waiting to be blown whenever a Barney blew it, at which point a team of Polynesian heavies would pour onto the sand and give the offender a crash course in surf safety. I'm reminded of the endless contusions, concussions, fin chops, nose pokes, fractured skulls, and broken bones that result from out-of-control kooks paddling 5 and 10 kilogram spears around lineups they don't understand, attempting things their body and brain have no possibility of achieving. Mm. I saw one just... I've seen... I saw one just the other day. Uh, a little kid... Sponsored yeah. kid at V-Land, getting pitted and just bored Staples, gash. Fucking hits him right in the back of the Somehow head. Somehow stays on his board too, to his credit. Yeah, we end up getting staples in a gash from that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bad, bad Fuck. one. Fuck. Yeah, that was bad. Um, I agree, mate. I mean, it's, it's just... It no, does... yeah, limits. So what, what's what's the solution there? Is that is that mentioned in the story? Do you have a, a couple of... Is it worth just jumping on to Stab Premium and, and uh, taking in this article in full? Well, the solution... Is uh, our very next topic, 
Vaughn. Okay. Um, I mean, is surfing the most kook-friendly sport? I'm going to say yes. Uh, I'm going to say a massive under to kooks and beginners who don't know their limits and are putting anyone else at risk. If you're mm. putting people at risk, and this doesn't even apply to beginners. Like, this is a, a universal law. If you're putting people's health at risk for the sake of a cutback or a tube, you're kind of a kook. Yeah. Like, fuck, man. Like, uh, you know, a, a tube is not worth someone else's eyeball. But uh, I digress. So, uh, yeah, and, and under to, to fucking to, to, to kooks mm. and kook-friendly sports. Know, yeah. uh, under. But Vaughn, Golden Breed Surf Store up there at Noosa has begun handing out pamphlets on surf etiquette with every soft top rental. Excellent. Isn't that great? That's great. Yeah, I've been informed as to the contents of this pamphlet, and uh, I believe it's uh, uh, it begins with a pictorial, mm-hmm. uh, a pictorial spread that includes, of course, tur- Turtle's immortal piece of advice. Yep. So when a wave breaks here, don't be there, or you're going to get drilled. Uh, and, and is there a diagram also of... Uh, uh, you know, literage, uh, when spitting the winkle, how many, uh, you know, gallons to uh, put into your anus before you uh, stand back? Is there an appropriate length from, say, uh, other cars in the car park so you don't fucking shit all over their windscreens? Is that all included in this uh, pamphlet, Smithy? That's right, Vaughn. It charts all the rungs through surf culture, uh, including hazing and grommet abuse, mm. which, you know, even if you're a 35-year-old investment banker getting his soft top for the first time, uh, you know, two to three years down the track, you can expect to be locked in a cage and pissed on by oh, Chris Davidson. Oh, That's uh, great. Yeah, so uh, just, you know, be ready for that. Mm. Bring your, your surfer's ears for that one. Uh, and uh, the, the middle part is uh, a, a graphic... Uh, you might even say gratuitous montage of fin chops, fractured skulls, and kooks getting scorpioned. And uh, <laughs> the last few pages is uh, a compilation of the battered, bruised eggplant faces of Johnny Boy Gomes's many victims through uh, 1984 oh, to 1999. Revelation! Mm. Every single surfboard sold should come with one of these pamphlets. Yeah. So just so you're fully aware of the consequences, if you blow it... Uh, and, and just etiquette and, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's important. Golden bread, eh? Back. Back with vengeance. Over. Over. Born some very sad news out of California. Joe Cremo, the face-tatted, who mad man, aerial pioneer, has died aged 47. Freakish talent, inventor of several moves, including the pop shove it, uh, you know, which I watched him do and then get pitted switchfoot. Like, mm. The guy was a proper fucking uh, visionary savant. Uh, had those shovets and varials so dialed tail slides where he switches stance a la buttons as the board is redirecting and rides out switch real trippy shit this is what Chaz Smith had to write about I think he might have he's written an article or even a book potentially about Cremo I think it was just an article but this is what he said on land he lived fast and his fast living started very much earlier than yours or mine he grew up in East Los Angeles and his brothers were in gangs and going to jail I this is a quote. I started smoking lots of rock cocaine at age nine. It's just what we did, says Cremo. Mm. He got shot at some point and moved to the sang and then moved to San Clemente, started surfing and cleaned up, but the wheels fell off eventually, and he traded rock cocaine in for meth and went to jail many times. He learned to tattoo during the dark years and tattooed his own face while looking in a mirror, or sometimes not. Sometimes I just did guest shots, said Cremo. Ah uh, but very influential. Chris Cote said this about him. I was a huge fan and heavily influenced by Joe Cremo. Matt Biolis, uh was shaped a bunch of boards for him. 
described him as soft-spoken, exceedingly polite, saccharine sweet. Girls liked him. He had a really good face, actually, attached to a diminutive, almost frail body, obviously dexterous and skilled of his feet, more nimble, emancipated street skater than a true surfer, made him a lot of boards to assist his approach, but never anything really skateboard style or double-ended. Uh, yeah, and then back in 2015, Cremo tried to raise money for laser tattoo removal after covering his entire face with ink while high on meth. Tattoos on the face are not the best way to get a job, he wrote. Mm. Sad demise for a long-time a, battler. A long-time battler, and um, his influence maybe is far-reaching. He's another one of those guys uh, when Lost videos were first coming out, and that style of surfing, you know, the, the, there was the momentum generation taking airs and making them functional like you know it wasn't just a race to the end and, and doing an air anymore it was like you know you, you try to link an air into your, into the rest of your surfing but the lost guys were another stretch ahead of that they were starting to bring in that technicality starting to bring in you know fucking creativity to it and uh when i was growing uh, uh oz Aussie Wright put me on to, you know, those lost movies. And Cremo was a major influence of, you know, the big spins, the shavits and all that sort of Chipper stuff. Wilson, that got into Julian Wilson. Mate, you, you look, there's a direct line from Cremo into all those guys surfing. So, yeah, it is sad. 47 is just so young. Um, it's, fuck, man. I just, uh, I, I'm, I guess it's, it's really kind of fucking cool in a way that, at least surfing is acknowledging this contribution of this guy because mm. became a bit of a cult hero, but has had a lasting influence on the sport that's been respected in light of this sad news. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fucking pretty dim silver lining, but it's it's just good that he's being acknowledged. There is a GoFundMe page kicking around, I think, on a Beach Grid article and probably a few other places uh, where you can donate money to support his son. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the sad fact is this is... A, Quite a classic American story, isn't it? In a country with that level of inequality, you know, you have people who grow up in, in impoverished, fractured circumstances on a diet of fucking just the most horseshit processed food you can imagine. Uh, and we have it here in Australia too. You see it a lot. And, you know, it's a, a graduation from that point on to just harder and harder drugs. I mean, sugar is a fucking condensed crystal of literally poison for the body mm. and uh you know you have poor kids in uneducated neighborhoods eating fucking bowl bowls full of it for for breakfast and it's just a slippery slope from there uh and you know fuck people just yeah there's drugs alcohol meth crime domestic violence divorces a whole bunch of hellish shit follows on from mm. there meanwhile humble little plants put there by some fucking who knows what that cradle out of the ground and Fill you full of love and compassion and connection. Illegal. Class A. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. And a massive over to Joe Cremo, the perennial battler and his contribution to surfing. And, uh, you know, the likes of Biolos and whatnot for supporting him throughout his career. Uh, and the influence, yeah, he left on so many mm. tech-punting maniacs. And fuck, it was a long time ago he was doing this shit. Mid-90s, late-90s. Like, it's so far ahead of the curve, it's bizarre. Mm. Yeah, that 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 uh, little crew of lost guys, they were kind of just like the the punk version of the Momentum crew, but fucking, you know, with with true punk ethos, and I'm not talking about the writing off and the getting on it and, and all that stuff that was uh, circulating at that time. I'm talking more about just the, the actual mentality of like not just slipping into the slipstream of 
what they, you know, what they were being told good surfing is, especially in California, man. I mean, you got surfer surfing, you got these like major titles that aren't really celebrating anything new. And uh, that goes all the way back to Christian Fletcher. Like they, they put him on the cover and then there was a backlash against it. Um, surfing to its credit, probably more so than anyone else, but I'm sure that they were a few years behind even, you know, those little punk movements as they were going. You don't, you don't get your, your due in that punk ethos until a couple of years after. Mm. It's just that. No, it's such a good comparison with the Momentum Generation who, you know, also came from pretty fractured, often poor backgrounds mm. where there was big substance abuse issues in the families, but they steered away from it. You know, they all went mm. down the clean skin path and then you kind of got the lost crew who were like, you know, often calling people out for being jocks and nerds and clean skins uh, and I guess celebrating this kind of anti-establishment surf culture. But a lot of it was built on drinking drugs fuck you mm. kind of attitude and fuck, mate. It's it's just not a recipe for longevity, is nah, it, Vaughn? You look nah. at the momentum generation, thriving, surfing, Winning amazing. pipeline masters at 50 years old. Packing the biggest waves on the planet in the late 40s, uh, Dorian. You know, Machado just looking amazing yeah. still. The, one of the Nimble, healthy, perennial former light. style masters on the planet Groovy. still. Uh, Ross Williams let himself go a bit, but... Uh, <laughs> But he is coaching John John. Kalani Rob. Was he in momentum? I don't know. Can't yeah, remember. Kalani Rob. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Riding soft tops in wave pools. They're, yeah. they're all killing good. it. They're all killing Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Maybe a, uh, a condensed version of Ask Us a Question for this episode, seeing as though we've been uh, running long time, man. Running long time. But uh, first question. Is from Joey Chooklegs. Hey. One of the best names I've seen on there. Uh, Joey, he's a mad fisherman. Holy shit, have a go at some of the beasts he's pulled out of the Pacific, mate. Oh, that's the biggest toadfish I've ever seen. Mate, he's pulling snappers out left, right, and centre, bro. Do you like snipper? Dude, I'm beached is. Anyway, Joey wants to know, why is getting 30 or 40 closeouts at my local beachy 100 times better than getting two dredging cones at Greeny with every other cunt? UTFS. Ew. Yeah, man. Mm. You must have a fairly uh, obvious take on this one, I'd imagine. Oh, well, he's getting the vision. It's stress-free vision at the expense of maybe copping a board in the face. But uh, until that happens, live it up, my friend. Live up the vision. Jeez, two two dredges at Greeny. Fuck, that's a that's a record, man. I'm lucky to even get a sniff out there these days. Man, I surfed Greenmount on a you know, it was like a six foot kind of like it was a bit burgery. It was kind of rippable, but I'll never forget this. It was the most dangerous lineup I've ever seen, mm. the most kook-friendly, and there was nowhere that you could possibly sit that was safe. Why there was guys on logs and sups and shit, uh, and then there was the you know the predictable cluster in the middle of it, and then in the middle of the middle of the cluster is none other than three-time world champ Mick Fanning, and I was just looking at him going, how do you live like this? <laughs> this is hell! Pretty piss weak if you ask me. Well, uh, good Good little segue there because uh, Tazzy's surf tragic has uh, asked us, will M. Fano, the prince, get a wild card for Bells? Also, will Scott Morrison, MP, ScoMo be waiting for the goat at the airport? So a double-pronged question from Tazzy surf tragic. My mail is that Fano could be surfing at Bells in wow. the CT. I mean, we know he's going to be down there for Ain't They Swell Live, Children of the Corn, Tour, Sunday, April 10, Arvo Show, Come Along, Swellians. 
But, uh, yeah, the uh, early gossip is that he will indeed be pulling on the rashy. And how do you feel about that, Smith? Mate, let's not forget that he coined the term rinsed corn as far as I know. Mm. Uh, so let's the etymology of rinsed corn show. Let the record show mm. that it came from the golden tonsils of Mictory Fanning. In terms of his his uh, presence in the Bells event, wow. I mean, uh, who's got a better record there? Who's more loved by the talky toughs, the titans on the hill there in the natural amphitheatre than Mick, three-time Fanning, nobody born. Nah. Nobody. It's going to be a, uh, a big... Yeah, remember the, the energy around uh, Oki when he used to surf at Bells, the uh, Warrnambool boys would turn up nude with Go Oki written in their backs, running up and down the beach. Pickers heavily, heavily reduced due to the cold weather down there. Corn heavily, heavily it smudged. Looked like those little, what are they called, candy corns, you know. Just, uh, <laughs> not much not much to show there, but fucking still out there in the weather, supporting the mighty Ock. Fanning really the only surfer who's enjoyed a similar sort of uh, froth and fervour. And uh, I think he's uh, in for it again when he gets back down there. Who doesn't love Mick, mate? The king of Jip Rock. On your Mick, on your mate. Oh, hey. hey. And, um, yeah, interesting timing for Kelly to launch uh, uh, an attack on the fucking, you know, reptilian fucking overlord scummo. He's really put himself in a tough spot to get this, uh, you know, scummo's pretty tight with this immigration minister, mm. whoever the fuck he is. And, uh, you can just kind of see him already doing the fucking white anding underneath Kelly's, uh, mm. you know, application to come in for Australia. Or is Kelly already here? Who knows with the goat? Mm. No, that's a good question. Has he uh, has he moved his king into some kind of checkmate scenario and not seen it, Vaughn? On the mm. offensive, and you might have lost a key piece in this game of chess, the Grand Wizard. Ah. Uh, would be a shame not to see him turn out. Jeez, I mean, let's just hope he doesn't get the same fate as Novak Djokovic and uh, condemned to some windowless hotel room and, you know, subjected to all kinds of torture and waterboarding, electrodes on nipples. I mean, that was the, the gossip I got. I'm um, so curious to know whether, like, how he's going to handle this. Go. Because he's clearly not going to come out and say, yeah, I got vaxxed. I don't think he'll do it, even if he has. And so you're going to have this kind of like uh, media arm wrestle where you'll have the government saying, yeah, of course he's been vaxxed. Like we wouldn't let him in the country if he's not. And Kelly going, it's none of your business, blah, blah, blah. So interesting to see how this one's going to play out, Smithy. Pretty pissed week if you ask me. Righto. Uh, Floyd on the run. He said, uh, Tyler Allen VO is dropping magic. How come no one gives him a shout out and gets his followers up there? Did he get too close to the truth? With his last post. Jeez, there's been some good posts from Tyler Allen. Uh, he's chipped in. He's been a, a swelling contributor in the past. Done some uh, epic VOs. Jeez, he's a good impersonator, I don't know. Mm, bit of the Oliver Stone, Julian Assange complex at play. Mm. Writ large over surfing's establishment. Yet again! I smell a rat, Vaughn. I can only assume that that is exactly what happened. He got too close to the truth. He peered inside of that supercomputer. He figured out the algorithm that only Fatty Al Hunt and Renato Higgle know the tune of, and they've blackballed him. Watch him watch him get cancelled off Instagram and Twitter next, Vaughn. That's my tip. Well, I mean, Beach Grit keeps getting cancelled. I can't figure out why for the life of me. I mean, their, their Instagram's had to restart two or three times now. Like, do you think... 
Zuckerberg just has a big red button in his office and he spends his days just sort of looking at every single mention of his name on, on one of his social platforms and just going, cancel, 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 cancel. It's the cancel room. He, he, yes, he spends most of his time in the cancel room and that huge red button has cancel written above it and uh, then he has a green one next to it that says woke and he just hits that one and just boosts their algorithm. Woke, 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 <laughs> woke, cancel, cancel. That's all he does all day. Hey. Dog. Oh, sorry. Finally, mate, last question. We're going to wrap it on this one. Thanks so much for having us back. Swellians, Ace, Smithy, yeah. Normal Ed. You enjoy that one? Mate, um, Chris Frad. Just going to drop into his profile here. Chris Frad, private account. Ah, well. He just wants to know, pie, pasty, or sausage rolls, Smithy? What's your go-to? Oh, I'm on the paleo diet these days, so it's neither, I'm sad to say, but it's all about the Wardell pie. Rest in peace, the poor joint got absolutely decimated by the floods, but they'll be back on their feet in no time, pumping out the duck and mushrooms, the pesto and pumpkin, the chicken and mushroom, the steak Diane, mm. the blueberry and appleberry. Oh, load me up oh, on those meat socks, baby. Load me up on those meat Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You gotta be kidding me. 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 Oh, you gotta be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me. You kidding me? Are 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 you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking 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 kidding me? You have got to be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?